everybody. Welcome to episode one of Hearing is Believing. My name is Andrea. And my name is Tanisa. And every week we'll be sharing different stories with you guys that center around our Catholic faith, whether it be about angels, demons, or unexplained miracles, and, you know, just chatting about them. So before we get started, we just want to let everyone know that we are not theologians, we are not experts, we don't speak on behalf of the Catholic Church, we are just two everyday girls who want to show, share stories that we find really interesting. So Andrea, what are you going to be talking about this week? This week, well, because it's you now our first episode, I wanted to keep things light and, you know, start on a, on a good footing. And I'm going to be talking about St. Michael's Cave in Italy. And I'm really excited about this story mm-hmm. because I've been to this place and it was really interesting and I'm really excited. Yeah, it's such a subtle flex of being like, oh, I've been here before. So I'm, I'm pretty jealous. I'm, I wish I could say the same. Well, it was a long time ago and I went when I was 15 because, you know, we're we're Mexican-American and we either would get a party or we got a quinceanera and my parents don't believe in quinceanera. So I got a trip instead on a pilgrimage and I went with family and it was really nice because I got to spend a lot of time with my grandpa and my aunts and my uncles and my cousins. So it was fun and I got a really interesting story about this place and I'll share towards the end. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah, and what are you talking about, Tamisa? So I'm going to be talking about a young man named Carlo Acutis, who was an Italian teenager who passed away in 2006. But this wait, 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 wasn't this guy recently on the news? He was because this October of this year, 2020, he has been beatified, which means he is in the process of becoming a saint. And the story behind him is really fascinating. Right now, he's already being nicknamed the patron saint of the internet um and it's just a really interesting story and i think it could possibly resonate with a lot of other listeners too since it's recent it's modern he's somebody who lived within our lifetime so i think it's a really unique story and hopefully you guys will be really into it yeah i'm really excited about this because when you think about saints and when you think about people who are being beatified and canonized Mm -hmm. no now they lived a long time ago. Their stories are from a long time ago, whether it be from last century or the beginning of, no, actually, yeah, it's all, this is the beginning of a new century. So yeah, everything was all last century. Yeah. So this is actually really exciting. Exactly. I'm really, I'm, this is going to be good. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be really fun um, and interesting because like you said, every, usually when people think about saints, it seems pretty like far distanced and removed from our everyday life. So I think this really challenges that and Honestly, I find it really inspiring. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. So I'm guessing you want me to go first then? Yeah, you go first. Okay. All right. Well, like I said, my story is about St. Michael's Cave. And for those of you who are not familiar with St. Michael, he is an archangel. He is considered to be the guardian and protector of the church. So he's one. that's one of the reasons why he is my favorite archangel. Mm-hmm. He is also the patron of spiritual warfare, the dying, soldiers, fencers, bankers, grocers, and artists. So wow. <laughs> he, he, he's a busy guy. Yeah, that is a really extensive list. Like he is keeping himself busy for sure. And he's taking care of not only the army, but also Walmart and Costco. So, yeah. Yeah. Keeping, keep an eye out for them. That's good. Yeah. And um, he's also, he's the leader of God's army during the uprising of Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan, 
the devil, whatever you want to call him. And St. Michael is honored not only in Christianity, but also in Judaism and Islam, which is actually something really interesting because I didn't even know that until I started looking into a little more fun facts about him for this story. Mm -hmm. Um, In Judaism, he's mentioned once in the Torah as an advocate for Israel. And in Islam, he is mentioned as an archangel of mercy. And he is also the bringer of rain and thunder to the earth and is in charge of the angels who carry out the laws of nature. So I thought that was kind of interesting and really fun. Yeah, that is really cool. That isn't something that I know personally, I didn't know that know that about him either. And I think it's really interesting to see how other religions and other cultures recognize him in and attribute certain aspects of, you know, daily life to him. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about our boy. But at, at the same time, it doesn't really surprise me that he's mentioned at least a couple of times, mm-hmm. whether it be in Christianity or, or in the other you know, main religions. Mm-hmm. But when you think about those three religions, they're all linked to Abraham. And yeah. from him and further and, and before, they all start with the same roots. And so it's a little not surprising and comforting yet kind of cool though when you think about it that he's recognized across these three main religions yeah no i think it's really cool definitely um so yeah like i said this is gonna be in his cave and a couple more fun facts his cave is the oldest shrine in western europe that's dedicated to saint michael and this cave sits on the sword of St. Michael, which is an imaginary line linking seven monasteries all dedicated to St. Michael, the Archangel, stretching mm-hmm. from Ireland all the way to Israel. So, whoa, he's in a good spot. Mm-hmm. That is huge. That is a really big stretch for sure. Like, I, that's really just amazing. And to just think of the coincidence that's on that line, yeah. on that sword of St. Michael, that tells you a lot right it's, there. It's almost scary if you think about how massive that is. And like you said, those are seven monasteries. That's, yeah, that's kind of spooky. Not going to lie. That's what I call, that's what I call divine intervention. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so we're getting to the story. So the year is 490 and a rich landowner from a small village near Mount Gargano, Italy, lost the best bull in his herd. So he and a few friends went looking for the bull and found it in a deserted cave. This cave was hard to get into and because it was inaccessible, they decided they're going to scare the bull out. So this rich landowner decides, you know, let's shoot an arrow into the cave (laughs) towards the bull. Yeah. Because, you know, that's smart. That sounds like a really great idea. Let me... Shoot an arrow in this dark cave where my prized bull is. Yeah, good good move. Yeah, excellent move. But here's the catch. He didn't shoot the bull because the arrow turned around and shot him instead. Oh, oh dang. Either I call that karma or someone else was looking out for that bull and was just mad at this landowner. <laughs> anyway, so as can be imagined, the landowner is and his friends who went with them are shocked. They're scared by the event and they go and seek out the counsel of their local bishop. Mm-hmm. And the bishop wasn't certain if the event was miraculous or demonic. Like he didn't get it. So he recommended three days of prayer and fasting to discern the meaning behind the event. And on the third day, St. Michael appears to the bishop and said to him, 
I am the archangel Michael, and I am always in the presence of God. This cave is sacred to me. I have chosen it. I, myself, am its watchful guardian. There, where the rock opens wide, the sins of men can be forgiven. What is asked for here in prayer will be granted. Therefore, go to the mountain and dedicate the grotto to the Christian God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is heavy. Oh, yeah, that's that's a lot just to take in. I'm sure that Bishop was not expecting that to be part of his day. Well, here's the thing. The bishop had his doubts about the apparition and thinking it was a dream, decided he was going to ignore it and put it out of his mind. No, no, you don't. You don't just ignore when an angel, the angel, comes and talks to you. I don't think that's the type of stuff that you should just ignore. I, I agree, but this this is the bishop's story right now. <laughs> so a couple years <laughs> go by, and the bishop's diocese is threatened because the region is at war. Mm-hmm. So the bishop starts praying for their victory and commits to three days of prayer and fasting. And again, on the third day, St. Michael appears to the bishop, and he promises the bishop that they will be victorious if they promise to build a chapel at the cave for dedicated to the Christian religion. And the bishop promises this and, and they win. His diocese is fine. The region is victorious. So they're all happy. But the bishop was still dubious and didn't order to have the church built. Oh, my goodness. Come on, man. Come on. He, he was still doubtful. And anyway, so... You know, but now it's constantly on his mind because he can't really ignore that. He made that promise. Yeah. So the following year, on the anniversary of the apparition, the bishop goes and appeals to the pope for guidance. And this pope was like, he ordered the bishop, and not only him, but all the other bishops and the priests from the area to go to the cave for three days of prayer and fasting. And not wishing to go into the cave, the bishop prayed at the entrance and then again on the third day saint michael appears to him oh my goodness I, he ordered this is just kind of uh-huh. to me because this part of me is so frustrated with this bishop like come on man just do what you're told but the other part of me just thinks it's so hilarious because clearly this guy does not want any part of this he is just too afraid for his own good and saint michael is still like nah man you're going to listen and pay attention to me. So I just think it's just so funny. I feel kind of bad for the bishop. I kind of agree with you. And here's the funny part that I think about. And I'm going to tell you right now. So he orders the bishop to enter the cave and told him that it was not necessary for him to consecrate the cave because he, St. Michael, had already done it. But when you think about this story, he had told him before go and build a chapel at this cave and dedicate it and bless it. You know, it's only going to be for the Christian religion, for the Christian God. Mm -hmm. But he got so tired with, I think he got real tired with this bishop and said, nah, bro, I already blessed it for you. Don't even bother. Yeah. He's like, clearly you have other things on your plate. Let me take care of this for you. Yeah. So this is the only building of worship in the Catholic church that has not been consecrated by man. So think how deep that is. Mm-hmm. That is the only one where it's been blessed by an angel yeah. and not by man. And so this church is now, there's a church now that's there at the cave and it's known as the Celestial Basilica. 
And in the Roman Catholic Church, we celebrate the apparition of St. Michael, the Archangel, mm -hmm. on May 8th. Oh, May 8th. Mm-hmm. We know somebody. Yeah, May 8th is. Yeah. We know yeah. somebody in our life that uh, his birthday is on May 8th. So uh, that's nice. Yes, it's a very special birthday in our family. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that is the story of St. Michael's Cave in Italy. So what was the story that you experienced because you said before when you were there back when you were 15 on um this pilgrimage with our family something happened right yeah so i when i went on this pilgrimage i spent a lot of time with one of my great aunts and she and i were there at this at this chapel and, it, and it's kind of interesting because you have to, there's these steep stairs that you have to climb you now to get in and out of this chapel because it's in a cave mm -hmm. and it's only so tall. And I'm, I'm 5'8 and I remember the ceiling was not that much higher than me. At some points you kind of have to duck a little bit if you're really tall. Yeah. Um, but, and not a lot of people fit in it because it's, you no know, it's a small cave. Mm -hmm. But we were there and we're kneeling and we're praying and I didn't even know this at the time, but she was telling me that she was praying to St. Michael and asking him to show her that she was there, that she wasn't alone, that he was always going to be with her. And she felt the slightest touch through like fingers almost going through her hair, just playing with her hair. Oh my and goodness. she's Im immediately freaked out. No, rightfully so. Yeah. Turns around. And there's two guys that are right behind us also praying, but, you know, they're doing their thing. They're not even paying any attention to her. And she looks at me like, and I'm like, I don't know what just happened. What's wrong? I'm completely dumbfounded. And she's just, okay, we're going to accept this. He was here. That was my proof. All right. I'm not alone. Oh, wow. And that's yeah. kind of spooky. Kind of gave me chills back in the life. That is. I don't know, I think there's something so just like, um, like endearing, or I guess kind of just like very um, familial of somebody playing with your hair or like, you know, that's such like an intimate thing to do that it's just, oh, wow, that gives me goosebumps. It's, it's intimate. And it's, and it's like letting them know, like, it's almost like a caress, you know, like, yeah, I'm there with you. I got you. And it is, it's very intimate. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, that he was showing her like i'm here and yeah that's the story about our boy saint michael the archangel Ooh, yay that was a good one i like that yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it all right so i am ready for your story yeah tell me so, all about him like i said this story is about carlo acutis which it is an italian name so if i'm saying this wrong i'm really sorry but i'm going to make the executive decision and just go by Carlo for the rest of this episode. So Hey, I'm cool with it. <laughs> thank you. We're we're very close, me and Carlo. We've we have a special connection. We're on a first name basis, that's all that matters. <laughs> Absolutely. So like I said, Carlo was an Italian teenage boy and he's recently was beatified on October tenth of this year. So really, really recently. And for those wondering what beatified means, it comes from Latin, it means blessed. And it's a recognition from the Catholic Church that a deceased person has entered into heaven and has the ability to intercede on others' behalf um, when they pray to him by name. 
So, so but, beatification would be like the process to mm-hmm. getting to sainthood. Exactly. So you're not technically a saint yet. You're on your way to becoming a saint. And when you become a saint is when you're canonized. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of steps at end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little tidbit for all of those at you who are not quite familiar with those terms. Absolutely. We sure weren't before, but we are now. Yeah, absolutely. When I was doing uh, more research on the whole process, it really, it, it's crazy to think about all the different steps that are involved. And I'll get a little bit into it as well in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a process in becoming a saint, which is a really big deal because the Catholic Church doesn't do this for just anybody. There is investigation that goes along with it. Um, but like I said, a lot of proof is required yeah, from what I remember. Exactly. They, they make sure that there is proof to support this, but I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, let's first try to learn a little bit more about Carlo because definitely a very inspiring life. So. All right, go ahead. Yeah. So what makes him unique, like I mentioned before, is he passed away in 2006. It was October 12th of 2006. And since then, he's been coined as the first millennial saint. Even his mother, Antonia Salzano, describes him as an influencer for God and also nicknamed the patron saint of the internet. So very modern. I think everybody's really capitalizing on the fact that he is a millennial saint in this very modern era. So he is a millennial. So he's somewhere around or would have been somewhere around our age. And he's already an influencer. He's no longer with us. And he's still an influencer. Mm -hmm. What are we doing with our lives? I know, right? I feel like I've accomplished way too little. But, you know, we all can't be saints. I mean, we should try, but... We all can't be so when was he when was he born? I'm I'm curious about this now. Yeah, he was born on May third of nineteen ninety one in London, <gasps> uh, where his parents were working. Oh, so he's he, only a year older than me. Yeah, I know, just that year difference. Um, so I think that's super crazy when you put that into perspective. Yeah. Well, just a few months after he was born, um, his family, his parents, uh, Andrea Acudis and Antonio Salzano, they moved to Milan. And from a young age, Carlo was already deeply devoted to his faith, even though his parents weren't especially religious. Like his mom said that before Carlo, she had only really been to mass for her first communion, her confirmation, and her wedding. And that was it. So just the big sacraments, that was it? Like she didn't go to church regularly? No, no, she was... She just was there for like those big milestones, but it really wasn't a part of their daily life. But like I said, Carlo, he was, he was devout. He was committed to this. So from a young age, Carlo was already praying the rosary and loved praying the rosary. After he made his first communion, he made sure to go to mass as often as he could, and he would bring along his family. So even if they didn't want to, he forced them to come along, which I think is so funny in a way because I feel like it's usually the other way around where parents are dragging their kids to mass but this time he made sure his family went with him and you know on top of going to mass every day he would go to holy hours before or after mass he would go to confession weekly and he even asked his parents to take him on pilgrimages to site of eucharistic miracles that was something that was really important to him is eucharistic miracles and again we'll get into that in a little bit 
but something he said that I thought was so powerful coming from, you know, a teenager is he said, when we face the sun, we become tan. But when we place ourselves in front of the Eucharist, Eucharistic Jesus, we become saints. Damn. That is deep. That, that is a true understanding of your faith and love for your faith. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. How old was he when he said that? I don't know the exact age of how old he was, but he was a teenager when he stated that. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. And so Carlo had a really strong impact on the people around him. So his strong faith actually led to a deep conversion in his mom. And he was also known to defend children at school who were getting picked on, especially disabled kids. When his friend's parents were going through a divorce, he made a special effort to include his friends in his own family life so that they would still feel a sense of family. So it was just all around, he was just a great person. And like I mentioned before, Carlo's mission was to devote himself to promoting the importance of the Eucharist. He even created his own website to showcase different Eucharistic miracles all around the world. And he said, the more often we receive the Eucharist, the more we will become like Jesus, so that on this earth, we will have a foretaste of heaven. Again, just let that sink in. It's just, it's so powerful. And it, it's, it's shocking to believe or to know that, that this came from a teenager. Like, and it's, he was like a modern day kid, you know, he wasn't anything like drastically different than anybody else or his peers, but he found this faith and just absolute love. Ah, it's That's cool. crazy. Mm-hmm. And yet that's amazing at, at the same time, because when you think about, you know, your modern day kid, even even us, like when we were little and we we're growing up, there was a lot of people who are already influenced by the Internet, who are already being influenced by, you know, social media, even though like especially if he's only a year older than me, I can remember a time when I didn't have the Internet. I remember a time when I didn't have access to a lot of things that you know a lot of kids now do. Mm-hmm. But to think about that there was still that influence though. And to think that he was still devoted to the faith, he's still devoted now to spreading faith and spreading the word. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible because there's so many things out there. that are going to deter you away from no, your faith and your religion. And he's just spreading it. Like it's like not affecting him whatsoever. That's impressive. It really is. And I think it's cool too, because like you mentioned, like when, you were a teenager and obviously I remember when you were a teenager, I was young, I am younger than you, but I remember just, there were so many things on the internet to distract you. Like even now there's still like a bunch of pointless games, but back then you, everything that was on the internet was just for entertainment and to like kill time. Um, Yeah, it was a novelty. Yeah, it was a novelty. So it's really interesting that he saw this as a tool and used it as a way to reach other people around the world. So his website was aimed to reawaken the youth in a way that was relevant to this era. Like it was, it wasn't like he was writing articles or writing books that like people weren't going to read. He knew, Hey, everybody likes the internet. Let me use the internet. And took an opportunity. Yeah, exactly. It was an opportunity and he made sure to take advantage of it. So he wanted us to be reminded of the basic necessity and power of the Eucharist and going to church and, Like we just said, he was using the internet to spread the word of God. 
So I will make sure that we can include his website in the show notes and on our Facebook page and Twitter so you guys can look at it because it is still active. Um, it is in Italian, but you can select different languages that you want to read it on. So definitely take a look at it. When I saw it, it is so impressive. It's like a huge list of different miracles all around the world. And it was just astonishing. I can't even imagine how much time that would take. Like now I'm, I'm out of college, I'm a adult and I don't even know how to make a website or have the energy to dedicate my time to making something like that. So definitely check it out if you guys have a chance. So during his adolescence, unfortunately, Carlo was diagnosed with leukemia. So when he got sick, his life of faith just increased and he offered up his suffering by saying, I offer all the suffering I will have to suffer for the Lord, for the Pope, and for the church. So unfortunately, like I mentioned before, he did pass away on October 12th of 2006 and he was buried in Assisi and he requested that because he just loved St. Francis of Assisi so much that he wanted that to be his, his resting place. And it wasn't long after his death that the push for his beatification started. So in 2013, he was named a servant of God, which is the first step towards becoming a saint in the Catholic Church. Um, and it's what triggers the church to start their investigation about the miracles and his life. So what I Interesting. yeah, what I thought was really cool though is when they were investigating him uh, for the process of beatification, they had technicians analyze his computer to see what type of websites he was visiting. And what was really interesting is they found that his entire use of the computer was for his research towards God and research really? for good. Exactly. They didn't find anything bad or anything that they would asso associate a teenage boy looking up. It, like he none wasn't of that was doing there. anything naughty, anything he wasn't really supposed to. Exactly. And I think, I mean, obviously when nobody's looking, it's always easy to be tempted to do something you're not supposed to. Especially as a teenage boy when you have like a new novel toy in front of you. But he didn't. He had a mission. Like, you're going to get curious about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And especially if he was savvy with computers, he was savvy with the internet. Like, mm -hmm. you can just think about a lot of the things that he could have done but didn't because he was so dedicated to his faith that he was going to be like, nah, this is for God. Yeah, exactly. And then in 2019, the church recognized a miracle that was associated with Carlos' intercession for a little boy in Brazil named Matthias, who was healed from a very serious birth defect that was affecting um, his ability to eat and to keep food down. So he was associated with this miracle, which is super, super crazy because it just happened last year. So again, it's really fascinating how quickly this stuff is happening. Um, so a little backstory about this miracle. Matthias was born in 2009 with a really serious condition that just made it really hard for him to eat without experiencing serious abdominal pain. So by the time that Matthias was nearly four years old, he weighed only 20 pounds and he was living off of just protein shakes. And honestly, doctors didn't expect him to live very long. 
So a priest in their community named Father Marcelo Tenorio learned about Carlo online and began praying for his beatification. And in 2013, he obtained a relic from Carlo's mother and decided to hold a mass to ask for uh, Carlo's intercession for whatever the community was needing or whatever they wanted to be healed from. So on the day that this mass or the service was being held, Matthias's mother um, decided to take Matthias and other family members to the church. And they would take turns like going up to the altar and praying. And when it was Matthias's turn, he went up, he touched Carlos's picture and prayed that he would stop vomiting. And on the way home from mass, Matthias told his mom that he was already cured. And when they got home, he asked for French fries, for rice, beans, and steak. And he was able to eat everything without any trouble. And that continued. No pain. No pain, no vomiting. And it continued the next day and the next day. And they took him to the doctors. They were absolutely mystified that Matthias was cured. Even like the physiology of his organs had healed. That's a miracle right there. I just and I think he was hungry too. It was like he was eating. When I was a kid, I would get stomach pains all the time because I didn't realize I was lactose intolerant, and I'm sure there was other things involved. Where like just after I ate, my stomach would hurt so bad. I can't even imagine that times probably like a hundred, and then just suddenly it just disappears. Like I can't imagine the relief that is associated with that. So it's just. So amazing. And I just, uh, I love that story. When I, every time I hear it, it just makes me so excited and just so happy for this little kid. But um, in 2000, actually, sorry, in 2020, Carlos's body was examined as part of the church investigation. Um, and what they were looking for was to see the state of his body. And his body was incorrupt. So what this is referring to is the miraculous preservation of the body from normal decay after death. So like most people are aware, if once somebody passes away, the body goes, starts de decaying rather quickly. But yeah, the decompo decomposition, decomposition of, yeah. of a body is, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it can get pretty nasty and yeah. just excavating a body and it being like uncorrupt it, it pretty much means that he looked like he was sleeping absolutely absolutely there are photos you can find this online just by searching up his name it's going to be one of the first photos you see and he's in his crypt and he looks like he's sleeping it is astonishing and it's been what 14 years since his passing and literally it he looks like he's just taking a nap so again this is a proof of how god has touched him and this is a miracle and when you think when you look at these pictures because i i did see it once online because my dad post uh um showed me a post that he had yeah. seen on facebook and this kid yeah it looks like he's sleeping and you see the picture and he's wearing his nike sneakers and yeah, a polo shirt. it just makes you think like he's branded he's he's the guy's polo shirt like yeah. he said like yeah, he's an influencer. He's, yeah. he's spreading it. Hey, Nike, if you want to sponsor us, you know, hit <laughs> us up. Let us know. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool because, it, again, it's just he's just a regular kid just taking what looks like a nap. 
So it's really, it's really cool. Um, and that is the story of Carlo. He is beatified. Again, that's still in the process of becoming a saint and a step towards canonization. But as of now, the church recognizes that you can pray for him. He can intercede on your behalf. And he is an example of, of Jesus in real life. So it's just, it's amazing. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. That's awesome. Thank you, Tamisa, for sharing that story and just now showing that the internet can be used for good, showing that yeah. people can have good intentions. And to think that a lot of, a lot of generations say that millennials are going to be the end of the world. No, <laughs> no, they're wrong because he's proven them wrong. Yeah, he's proven them that's wrong. That's pretty good. He's proving that anybody in this day and age can become a saint. They can, you know, devote, devote their lives to God and just be an inspiration for their community. And it's just, it's really inspiring. I hope everybody liked that. I'm sure they did because I didn't know anything about this kid and, well, young man, and mm -hmm. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with him, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please don't forget to check out our Facebook page as well as follow us on Twitter at Hearing is Believing Podcast. And if you have any stories that you would like to share with us, please email them to us. You can send them to hearingisbelievingpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.